is the Sluggo. Slant and go. Casey the Beef Krieg, and hey, uh, how's it going over there? Where are you at, by the way? I'm on the island. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm at home. Traveling done? Until uh, tomorrow. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, well, good hey. news is it's right here in Hilton Head, so it's not, oh. a, terrible, it's not a terrible travel day tomorrow. There's worse but... places to travel to than Hilton Head. <laughs> yes, sir. Especially considering where you're starting from tomorrow. So, Definitely. very cool. Very cool. Hey, um, well, I was trying to look like my hero, Zach Locks Parker, tonight. So I thought I'd try out uh, the glasses and, uh, you know, see if look I could. a little like Wild Thing, Ricky Wild Thing <laughs> from Major League, right? I get some tape. I'll, I'll be good to go with some tape, the beard. And yeah. Um, hey, uh, usually we start out and you talk about the weather because you're from that crazy New Jersey. And But let me tell you something, man. It was 83 degrees yesterday. And it is sleeting outside today. So <laughs> um, Parker comes home and says, hey, we may get to start late tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. So uh, anyway, crazy, crazy weather here. I'm glad you only have to travel in the island because uh, I think I told you this on text the other day. I had a guy, a friend of mine um, I worked with, uh, left every Sunday night. And I know he had a kid about slider's age and had to leave every sunday through thursday and um every single week of the year so anyway i think you're frozen beef and i'll keep on talking until you uh, are able to unfreeze yourself um talking about the weather okay hey um beef i had this great idea i wanted to do uh, uh last week i explained to you about um how uh, how to be a good father and how you know you were a good father. Beef will be back in just a minute, so I'll entertain everyone until he gets back. Uh, I told Beef last week how to be. How do you know he's a good father when your teenager starts texting WTF? Well, this week I'm going to give Beef uh, an idea of how to know you have been a uh, or you are a good husband. And I had my 18th wedding anniversary about a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that's not how I know I'm a good husband. So Saturday, my wife decided that she wanted to go have lunch with some friends of hers that she works out with every week. And um, so she did that. And when she got home, I was in the kitchen uh, making breakfast and cleaning up and doing whatever. And she walks in the door and she says, come here. And I thought, uh-oh. I'm in serious, serious trouble. What did I do now? Did I leave some beer cans out or whatever? And she just said, I want to tell you, I just want you to know that I love you. And I was wondering, what what the heck? What, what's going on? So she hugs me. And she, um, she said that she had had lunch with her friends. And her one of her friends has all kind of problems in the marriage and all that kind of stuff. And that um, she thought we had it pretty good together. So the moral of the story is 
you don't have to be anything special. Just don't be a jughead. Um, and my wife, just keep my wife happy. And she said, I said, well, yeah, the guy was doing all kinds of crazy stuff and uh, there's beef. So the guy was doing all kinds of crazy stuff and looking on his phone at things he shouldn't be looking on the phone for. And all she told me was, I know where you are every day. You're sitting in that chair drinking beer and watching sports. <laughs> so that's the moral of the story. And she left. She left her and Parker went to spend uh, the night with the grandmother in San Antonio, 93-year-old grandmother, by the way, Saturday. And um, she got back Sunday and she said, I know exactly where you were last night. You were sitting in that chair drinking beer, watching sports. I said, yep, I'm dependable. Babe. She knows exactly where I am and what I'm doing. Except I wasn't watching sports Saturday night. I, I Basketball was done. I watched a movie, but I was drinking beer. So that's the moral of the story. That's how to be a good husband. Just don't be, how do you say it on the top of beef? A douchebag. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the bar is not very high, apparently, uh, comparing yourself to other men. So all you got to do is uh, be reliable and uh, be around. So anyway. Who, who knew when you tuned in to us tonight you were going to get some, <laughs> some life lessons with Seldom Use Reserve? Well, last week it was the I was telling you how to know when you've been a good father when your kid starts texting WTF, so that'll you'll know you made it then. Anthony Weeks checks right. in and says, What's going on, guys? Hey Anthony, hey, good glad to see, to see him. Good to see you. And Kevron, good evening. I'm not surprised about the demise of the ACC. All right. You caught on to the title of the show. Cool. We'll get to football talk after minute with Dr. Marty. Um, no, just kidding. John Chancey, all you need is an SEC shirt and your Zach's twin. Ah, my goal <laughs> has been reached, kind of. Uh, but anyway, uh, chit-chat with Marty is over. Beef traveled uh, this week, and you be you said tomorrow you're back out, but just in Hilton Head. Pretty pretty good news that you don't have to travel far. I like that. Sumter on uh, my day off. I mean, of all places that you want to go to, Sumter probably isn't number one on the list, but that's <laughs> not a bad little town. I mean, it's just in the middle of nowhere. So I was there Sunday and Monday when the rest of the company was off. But, uh, yeah, and then I'll Hilton Head tomorrow, Friday, and a little Saturday. So two days off in the same week I'm working. But yeah, my my, uh, my advice is don't go to Sumter in the summer, though, because um, – Last time I think I was there, it was six or seven hundred degrees. Uh, but of course, that could be anywhere in South Carolina in the summer, right? And, uh, That's true, no doubt. Hey, Beef, I saw a tweet the other day that said the NCAA is to, going to investigate NIL impact on student athletes and potential recruiting violations. Let me ask you, who knew? Right? I mean, <clears throat> I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Dabo's conspiracy theory has come to light. Just kind of hit me when i saw that tweet is that isn't this what dabbo's been saying he's not against nil as players have nil he just wants them to do it the right way and i'm not saying dabbo's way is the right way i'm just saying i think he's closer to right than 99.9 percent of america yeah i mean this is the in in the i'm not surprised news forum this would probably be at the top or the who knew for them. This would be right there at the top headline here. Uh, of course there's going to be problems. I think when uh, the NCA or whoever it was just said, okay, you can pay for name, image, likeness, and didn't put any parameters on it, didn't put I hesitate to use the word salary cap or anything, anything to cap anybody, 
<laughs> um, I, I happened to be talking to a rather prominent quarterback last night on a different show uh, after the show and was talking to, I won't mention any names, but you can look it up on the internet. Um, he was telling me about a couple people that he knows for sure that are in the two to three million dollar range uh, just yours. from getting in the transfer portal. Yeah, Quinn yours got money from Ohio State and Texas. Well, they haven't played it down. Certain USC quarterback as well, the new wow. USC quarterback. And this gentleman be. happened to be in the portal for a short period of time. So I asked him, and this was off the record, but I asked him, and I'm not going to, you know, tell you who it was. But I said, "Did you hear any of that? Did you see any of that?" And he goes, "Oh, absolutely, hmm. absolutely." And this is a guy that you'll probably hear of next year too. So. Does his name rhyme with Rinser Spatler? No, no, I didn't talk to him. No. Uh, he wouldn't talk to you. you know, no, you know that. Yeah. I wouldn't talk to him either. <laughs> the feeling is mutual. The show that I help on isn't nearly as big yet. So. Oh, okay. I got you. Yet, Beef yeah. says. Yet. We'll hey, uh, and by the way, to tag on a little bit, Mark Stoops said anyone who says it isn't about money is a liar. I think he might be talking about some guy in College Station, Texas. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was funny because, you know, it's it was it's gone from you can't have a dollar to you can have three million if you want for anything. You know, like you said, there's no no cap, as a kid say, <laughs> no limits, no nothing. Just do what you want to do. And Dabo is trying to do things the right way. And he is just blasted for it all over by everybody and um you know i don't know it's it, he can't say anything he could say, he, he literally can't say anything without getting blasted by somebody uh, i don't know how he does it the guy's stronger than me uh, i would have given up a long time ago but uh, i think this whole thing started initially i think the old fuddy duddies like me and you maybe in the ncaa <laughs> the guys who are running the ncaa are thinking to themselves okay those jerseys that are sitting at mr knickerbocker or tiger town sports or whatever tiger sports shop that say 16 on them and don't have a name on the back okay we're gonna do that for every player they're gonna get three dollars a shirt for every shirt that they sell they probably had little to no idea that and, I, and I, I, I probably didn't either. I guess my ignorance is showing that some random dude that runs a car dealership is going to throw cars and millions at these kids. You know, they've been doing it for years, apparently, allegedly everywhere. And now now it's legal. So, like, I, I just think that on paper, initially, it was a great idea to allow these kids to get their photos. I have these wonderful photos in my house. Uh, that are big poster size. I have a CJ Spiller. I got the DeAndre McDaniel crushing Christian Ponder. I got Gaines Adams and and uh, Tiger Town Graphics used to used to sell them, and they po- started pulling them off because these guys weren't getting paid right. um, way back in the day. And of course, their names were taken off of the pictures. But you knew right. who twenty eight was back in the right. day. You knew who ninety three was back in the day. You knew who yeah. two. You know. Um, but I think on paper that was the initial like idea and the thought, and then all of a sudden it just this little pebble started rolling down the hill, and there's no end in sight. I mean, look, look like like Stoop said. I mean, look what's going on in Texas A&M. I don't care what Jimbo Fisher says. Maybe it's not as bad as it's being reported, but it certainly had something to do with that recruiting class. Holy moly! Yeah, I think to deny that is 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 foolish, and uh, yeah, I, I won't say. 
a lie, but not the truth, not the full truth, as you said. Maybe they would have gotten some of those players without uh, NIL money. But on the other hand, we know Texas is, is giving their linemen each $50,000, and we know Quinn Ewers uh, is not coming to Texas for the goodness of out of the goodness of his heart because like six months ago, he said they were losers. Basically he said he wanted to go to Ohio state because he wanted to win. And now he's, now they're paying him. Just kidding. Just kidding. Can I have another mill? I got some from Ohio income from two States. What a move. That guy has uh, played it well and not on the field. <laughs> Wouldn't it be know. something if he gets on the field and he's a dud and no, that'd be know, great. Oh, millions of dollars down the tube. I, don't have a million dollars beef but if i did i would not be giving it to an 18 year old kid to go play quarterback at clemson i'm telling you i i mean i i just i it's just crazy it's bizarre to any money to some of these people that are doing that you know no one's going broke doing this i don't believe yeah you're right you're probably right but i i don't care i would i could maybe i'm too cheap i wouldn't give up the million dollars so we can win nine games instead of seven how about that um just me just me. i agree <laughs> i hate agreeing hey, with you but i agree <laughs> you're maybe not agree with my next topic here this was the topic that i really want to talk about this week is when i saw last week that the big 10 uh, was going to get uh, in their nego- renegotiations for their TV contract. The numbers thrown out for that is $1.1 billion. Now, we know the SEC is the king of college football on the field and off the field and monetarily. So when they renegotiate and their contract goes from CBS to whoever, ESPN, and there's some talk of it being split among um, various uh, media companies so they can make even more money, right? So they're going to make over $1.1 billion. And you know what? Me and you are going to be watching Spurtle commercials on the crappy ACC network. Now, I don't think it's going to happen overnight, and it may not take down every team. Clemson and Florida State and maybe some others will survive, but I don't see how the ACC survives. If you think about the product that's put on the TV every week, Look at the SEC game of the week. Look at the ACC, sometimes on Friday night, by the way, and the and the Big Ten. The ACC is third out of those conferences. And the Big 12 is, you know, I think that's going to be gone too when BYU and Cincinnati. It shouldn't be, I'm not going to say gone, but not on an elite level. And now I'm wondering if the same is going to happen to the ACC eventually when South Carolina is getting $50 million more than Clemson every year and they can pay players NIL money that Clemson can't or won't. Uh, things are going to, something's going to give eventually. And I'm scared that one college football is not going to look like you and I grew up with. I grew up with it for you, obviously, but two, the ACC is going to be looked at as a lesser conference. Already is in a lot of ways, but I mean, really, a lesser conference. Five years, ten years, I don't know the time frame. Yeah, I, I think uh, John Swafford left the conference in a way worse place than he found it. I think he did some really good things for the conference, basketball-wise, but did a whole lot of problems for the football. 
notably this this television contract, which I heard today with a couple buddies were talking about how it's downright, it's almost criminal what he did to, to the ACC network. It sounded good on paper that it was going to be an ESPN run organized, you know, like the SEC network and the Longhorn network that that ESPN has their hands in. But it, it definitely seems like a second tier um, outfit, really, to, to throw on these games. We joke every week about spurtles and Irish peelers, but that the reality is that's who the sales folks at ACC Network are getting to pay for their advertising, and that's really pretty sad. Uh, going forward, you know, we always we always rely, and and I talk about it all the time, especially in my fandom with. With Dabo, I trust the process. Trust, trust, trust. They've built up enough equity. I don't know if there's enough equity for the ACC to survive this, and I don't know what happens. Like that's, you know, normally with things like this or things with Dabo, you're like, okay, well, if that happens, at least then we have we know what way we're going to go. Right. Dabo has a plan, but this isn't Dabo. This is the ACC, and I'm not sure the ACC has a plan because we certainly haven't read about it the way we've read about the Big Ten or the SEC going forward and you're right i mean money wins in, in college football and the sec is just head and shoulders already more getting more payouts for per per school than the acc and the big 10 uh but going forward it looks like it's just gonna grow exponentially and that's could be the demise of the acc there's no question but what happens yeah who knows and what started me thinking about this again was that article about the 1.1 billion but also when i looked at sec basketball uh, this year compared to acc that now seems to be trending toward the sec and i think it's because of money right i'm not saying the players are getting the money but they're getting the coaches um the big name coaches that used to want to be in the acc when the acc was the place to be like and i know bruce pearl didn't coach in the acc but think about that. Auburn, um, who has never been a basketball school more than a year or so, is now number one in the nation. And you look around the SEC, and they're solid. Rick Barnes, your buddy, at Tennessee. Auburn, um, you know, uh, Frank Martin has South Carolina at a certain level. Had them in a Final Kentucky. Four. Kentucky. Kentucky, of course, yeah. So Arkansas is playing well. Florida is well. I mean, you can and, go up and down. And baseball, right? Think about baseball. Who dominates in baseball? The SEC. I, I think the ACC is in serious trouble. I, and I don't know what they can do about it. You don't know what's going to happen. You do, I, of course. But I don't know what the ACC can do about it. Because the product just is not as good. Comment from John Chansey. SEC and Big Ten above the rest. But PAC and Big 12 in same position as ACC. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that now that Texas and Oklahoma are uh, leaving uh, leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. But What about that alliance, though, with the Big 10 and the Pac-12? I mean, come uh, on, alliance. Alliance, uh, Big 10. Don't <laughs> leave us behind. I heard the other day that they discussed going back to eight games so they could play the ACC and Pac-12, and they said, Nah, on second thought, we're good. <laughs> the alliance didn't last uh, three weeks, I think, <laughs> before they decided that the smarter thing to do was to play another, uh, keep playing another Big Ten team and not play the ACC because they've seen what it's done for Notre Dame, right? 
<laughs> Notre Dame and Duke, Notre Dame and Wake Forest. You know, it's it's another thing that you mentioned. It sounds good on paper, but yeah, Notre Dame and Clemson and Notre Dame and Florida State sounds good, but Florida State's not very good. And and uh, Notre Dame House has to play Duke and Wake Forest, and you know, oh my goodness. So I think the ACC long term is in trouble, and and I don't know what that means for Clemson. Well, I, sh- I do. It means that when they're on the playoff bubble and they're going against a Big Ten team or um, certainly an SEC team, that they're going to get shortchanged um, or not get the consideration they would normally. The team's got to get better, and I don't know how they're going to do it because I don't think anybody's bought into football in the ACC except for Clemson and used to be Florida State, but I'm questioning that now. So I don't know. They're a women's soccer school now. Oh, my. And Nelson chimes in and says the Sun Belt is expanding. You laugh, but the Sun Belt could end up better than the ACC in the long term. I wonder when more teams are going to bail on the ACC like like Maryland did, right? Um, And all they did it for was the cash. They're getting their brains beat in in the Big Ten, and they don't care, right? They don't care. They're, They're raking in the cash. So... That's my uh, editorial for tonight, or one of the ten I have on the list. The ACC is doomed. It's going to uh, the demise is in the near future. Well, I don't know about the near future, but the future. Uh, I'll say within ten years. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right, coaching carousel beef. I wanted to talk about this coaching carousels because I, I think you and I and Locks had some different opinions on whether uh, some of the coaches hired were good or good hires, or we're going to be uh, successful. And I figured we'd do a couple each week. That'll last us <laughs> maybe till August or September. But let's start out with Lincoln Raleigh to USC. Now, on the surface, this seems like a, a great hire for Southern Cal. Uh, great record at Oklahoma. Had him in the playoffs. On the other hand, they couldn't win a playoff game, and he was handed really good teams at Oklahoma to start with. Now, he he recruited well, and they had the players there, but they never got over the hump. I've heard him characterized in the last week as a glorified offensive coordinator that's paid to be a head coach. Ultimately, do you think Lincoln Riley will be, quote, successful at Southern Cal? And what do you mean successful? National championship successful? A Pac-12 champion successful? Or something else? It's funny you stole my thunder there because I was going to retort. I was going to give you my answer with that same question. What does success look like in the Pac-12? We have seen Washington in the playoff in the past. Is is that success in the big in the in the Pac-12? It conference. I think in talking to a friend who went there, conference championship is the is the floor. Is what they're saying. Not this year necessarily. You got to build a little bit, but but you have Caleb Williams, you have all these guys that transferred from Oklahoma out there. So obviously they believe a little bit in him, in Lincoln Riley. But he said the conference championship is the floor for, for Lincoln Riley, uh, which conference championship in the Pac-12 doesn't necessarily mean CFP playoff, but I think it means success. So yeah, this year is going to be interesting to watch them. Because he's getting, he's kind of getting that push like South Carolina has with Beamer, and that Oklahoma has with Venables. These fan bases are very outspoken, especially in the social media world. 
about how much success that these three guys are going to have. So year one, we'll see, you know, the fans, if they jump off the train, I, I think it's still a wait and see for Lincoln Riley. I think in the Pac-12, it's wide open there. You know, nine wins maybe, probably wins the conference. Um, and I think he could do it year one. Okay, so within the conference, you said was the floor. That's what my buddy told me that was the floor for them. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if he doesn't win the conference, either this year, certainly two or three years down the road. I mean, Clemson didn't win their conference, but they also have two national championships in their pocket and 114 straight ACC championships until this year. So I, I guess it did. I mean, it, I, I would say the floor, he doesn't mean every year they should win. No, and the, con- the conversation was, was basically talking Clemson and, and Southern Cal or USC, as we talked about in, in the conversation, and how 10 wins was deemed as a, not a successful year for Clemson. However, the, the conference being what it was, you know, it's still 10 wins, but you, know, you kind of say, oh, it was a down year for them because the conference wasn't very good. He feels the same way about the Pac-12 okay. in that, you know, hopefully with the talent that they have on paper, if everyone can stay healthy – with Lincoln Riley's offense, which is just not necessarily something that the conference hasn't seen before, but it because it, it, Chip Kelly being there, but it is a little bit different. And having him there and that talent, they, he thinks that they could win eight, nine games year one, which could could put them in position to uh, be in the, in that conference title game. Okay, John Chancy says if he can keep the best offensive recruits from the West Coast from going to the SEC or other Eastern schools, they will definitely get to the playoff. Not sure if he beats out SEC regularly. I don't think he will ever. Ever. <laughs> I said it ever. You know, I, I keep hearing that they you know they have this great tradition, and yes, they do that. They had a they had a run there of incredible, incredible success. But, hey, that was 16 years ago. The guys they are recruiting now means nothing to, right? It means nothing to. Uh, same thing with Texas, and uh, maybe we'll get to them at some point. But t- Texas is living off they, all that Mac Brown, all those years, one national championship. Um, and, by the way, two conference championships. That's all Texas won under Mac Brown. If you, that's that's kind of crazy. Not the one. Winning a national championship, I'm not going to say that's all. But it's a little surprising. But only two conference championships is really surprising considering the talent they had. Okay, I got off topic there for a minute. My next one I want to talk about, friend of the show, Michael Palkovics. Uh, hope you're tuning in, Pal, because we're going to talk about Marcus Freeman. Now, I don't think Marcus Freeman was necessarily a bad hire, and I think he's going to be a great head coach. First job, head coach in Notre Dame. Uh don't know about that, but because 93, as we just talked about for Lincoln Riley, is going to be a huge disappointment at Notre Dame. 10 and 2 will probably be a disappointment at Notre Dame. And if Palk, if you're out there, chime in in the comments. If not, I'm sure we'll hear from you on Twitter tomorrow or the next day. But I really got worried about Marcus Freeman when I found out he hired Al Golden as his defensive coordinator. So, Marcus Freeman doesn't have to worry about winning conference championships, but you know what he does have to worry about? Losing one game a year, maybe two. And he's not going to make the playoff, um, in my opinion. Is he going to be successful at Notre Dame? And again, define success in your mind. 
Yeah, I, I think this is a great hire for Notre Dame. I, th I think the energy and especially a little bit of bias going into it is that he's trying to model his program after Dabo Sweeney said it in, in a couple uh, um, interviews that he's had. I think the hire is uh, Ted, uh, not Ted Roof, Al Golden, same person, really. Uh, I thought the <laughs> Al Golden hire is fantastic because Al's not, Al's not uh, tasked to lead the team. And I think Marcus Freeman, it's kind of going to be like, I know he's not the guy anymore. Now the base is down <clears throat> at Oklahoma, but it was kind of like the Ted Roof hire for, for Brent Venables down there as the defensive coordinator. It kind of felt the same way. Marcus is going to be the guy that kind of runs that defense still, I, I believe the way that I think Venables is still going to run the defense, albeit being the head coach. Um, I don't, John Chancey says, I don't think he will hand the keys to the defense off over to Golden completely. And I think Al Golden, he had a lot of success at Temple. I thought he was very good there. And he was okay at Miami for a couple of years before that 58 nothing game uh, that ended his, ended his career. Um, yeah, I, I think I think this Marcus Freeman hire just because of his energy. He's he's a great recruiter. He's keeping th those recruiting classes are really good. Now I'm not saying again that they're going to go to the playoff, but I do think that. And and it would be interesting to hear from Palk or Jeff Jeff Justin's in the comments tonight um, to talk about what where the floor would be for Notre Dame. Although Jeff tends to be a little bit more pessimistic Notre Dame fan than Palk, uh, but he also I, I say pessimistic. It's probably realistic. Um, Notre Dame fan then Pauk, but it would be interesting to see what where they think that Notre Dame should end up um, this year. Pauk, I think Pauk, it's great. Hire. Pauk is more positive than God on Notre Dame, so uh, <laughs> uh, we probably need some realism, some JJ realism uh, on that. I just think, I think there's, I think there's very little chance of doing better than Brian Kelly did. That's what I'm saying. And that's going to be difficult to do consistently at Notre Dame uh, over the years. So I think he's going to be a good co and and Notre Dame. Let's face it; it's not like any other job. It's not like Clemson. It's not like I, I don't name a place that you know is a tougher job than Notre Dame with the expectations, the level of scrutiny. Maybe Alabama these days, but there's not many jobs, and for that to be your First job. I mean, this is not Dabo. Uh, this is not Dabo walking into Clemson after Tommy Bowden. Here's JJ. Realistic nine wins this year will be a reach. Wow. I think Palk will disagree with him, but I, you know, Jeff does tend to be a little bit more uh, realistic. Je uh, yes, I was going to say he is more. He'll realistic. take twelve wins though. He'll say that. He'll take it if it happens. We like we like being real sometimes. Uh, let's see. Um, Cristobal is similar to a great staff at Miami. I think Cristobal is on my list for next week. I didn't want to spend the whole show, but Nelson uh, with excellent recruiters to beat. They will be a force to reckon with soon. Not saying the U is back. They can coach him, but yes, he's they can not recruit wrong. him. Can they coach him? Our last one for the first night of this. We'll do this a uh, couple, a few every week that we're on, just to to try and get through and have some conversation uh, about uh, what's going on in college football. Um, Brent Venables in Oklahoma, no experience as a head coach, going into to a place where they expect a ton. Um, and you and your other show you do your other that you um, produce um, a lot of Oklahoma talk. 
what are the expectations for Brent Venables? Do they expect him to keep Oklahoma at the same level or even above win a playoff game as Lincoln Riley? And do you think Brent Venables is capable of that? The, uh, the, the Oklahoma fan base thinks that they're winning the national championship this year. However, Rewind to 2012 when there the hashtag fire Brent was rampant on the early stages of the Twitter machine. They forget about that, but different time, different era, different guy, probably. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Brent will be okay. I think their expectation is playoff or bust. I really believe that. I think his attitude, his leadership, is is second to none, second to Dabo, maybe. Obviously, bias is showing here because I love the man. He did such wonderful things for Clemson and at Clemson, in my opinion. The the floor there is is probably ten or eleven wins from from the fan base already, and there he's already head and shoulders better than Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley was the worst coach to ever coach at Oklahoma ever in the Ultraverse. So uh, that's that's what I heard. I think that was a direct quote that I got the other night, but. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for Brent. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be pulling for him. No question about it. I hope he does well. I hope he succeeds. I hope we beat them by 35 points in the playoff game. Really intrigued to see, A, how he handles being the head guy on the sidelines, right? Because, you know, the get-back coach and all that kind of stuff. His intensity. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, if he can maintain that recruit it's one thing to go in and recruit you know a subset of your players it's another thing to have to recruit the entire roster to some extent anyway jj says the three hardest jobs in the uh in the catholic church are head coach of notre dame the pope and starting quarterback (laughs) for notre dame i'd probably move the quarterback up to number two jj but that's just me uh, Nelson wants to talk about Clemson softball. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute, Nelson. Right. Is he reading our? Is he reading our? Uh... I think I accidentally sent him the agenda over to him too. <laughs> oh, you had a lot of turnover, but the competition on their schedule isn't that intimidating. Yeah, I, uh, that's true. Um, uh, that's true, but uh, just I think, don't lose to Kansas. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's Texas's job. So, um, I, I, I love. Venables too, and uh, I'm happy for him personally, but I wonder as a head coach, just as I always say about the players, I'm a see it kind of guy, right? Uh, it could turn out to be greater than I ever expect, but until I see it, um, I find a hard, have a hard time believing it. And Nelson says, Casey has been hanging with big game boomer. They're best buds, uh, Nelson. Um, they've spent so much time together starting to look alike think um <laughs> sorry sorry beef uh, <laughs> i don't even know what the guy looks like so um, it could have been a compliment for all i know who knows all right um i had on the agenda here that's the three coaches we'll do today we'll do three more to- tomorrow no next week or whenever we get together again <laughs> casey's got another show to do tomorrow and uh we'll do we'll do several of those throughout the season just fun to talk about and get different ideas Clips of football updates. I really didn't find anything going on. Beef, um, you know, uh, Brian Brzee's getting better. You know, that's the biggest story. And and yeah. I saw there was a Clemson football tweeted out something with Sheridan Jones talking about smelling the roses this morning, it's which weird. was awesome. 
it was weird, but it was awesome. I get it. I got the gist of it. You know, it's probably his grandma, probably words his grandma told him way back when. But in the background, I caught a picture of Landon Zanders, who a lot of Clemson fans probably have forgotten about because he was hurt immediately in that Georgia game. We didn't see him or hear about him the rest of the season. But that's going to add some much-needed depth on the back end of that defense. So it was kind of exciting to see him suited up. You know, I know they just had their shells, or not even shells on. They just had their little, their little man bras on, and uh, uh, I need one. But but he was running. He was he was out there playing, ready, practicing. So I just thought that was a positive. Hey, with the way the season went last year, with all the injuries, it was just nice to see some of these guys getting back healthy. Nice to see him standing up without yeah. <laughs> without a cast or a brace on their leg or yes. some part some appendage. Uh, and uh, Chancey says he's blocked a big game boomer. I have done the same. Uh, as most as most Clemson fans <laughs> should. Did, 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 did. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not saying he's a terrible guy, but, you know, the 50. No, he's actually a great guy. His, the, his the Twitter is, is not toilet papers and <laughs> He's not a bad guy. Personally, yeah. he's not. But his yeah. Twitter is, yes. He's trying to he's trying to get attention, and, and he got a lot of it. But here's the thing: you can block him, but other people you follow uh, retweet him or you know blast him. And I'm just I'm one of those. Just leave it, leave it alone. Let it, let it. Leave go. it alone. Yep, yeah. exactly. Uh, mute works too. Yes, it does. The Nelson, best feature on Twitter. If you've got Wordle in your in your uh, <laughs> in your Twitter timeline, I have muted that word on Twitter. It's the only word. None of the cuss words or bad words or any words to one word I have uh, muted is Wordle. Uh, oh, you and JJ are boys. <laughs> my twin brother, JJ. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have muted that word. That's the only word I have muted. Now, for the Nelson Wilhite Memorial section uh, that he's been looking out for, Clemson softball. I haven't paid much attention. You know, Nelson's been giving us updates on the phone, but I haven't been paying much attention because I'm spending more time with baseball this spring um, uh, because, you know, I'm doing the stats and helping out JP there and, and helping out myself understand what's going on. So been paying a lot of attention to baseball, not so much to softball. Um, anyway, anything on softball beef? Six and three, seven and three, seven and three going into the, uh, this weekend series with Boston University, they played some really good competition this past weekend. Lost a game they shouldn't, won a game they shouldn't have. Uh, I think it, it was a very successful trip to St. Pete Clearwater. I forget what the name of the tournament, but it was it was a St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. But they beat yes. a very a very good Washington team, the first top ten victory in their program's existence. They're currently ranked ninth in one poll, and that's the only poll that I'm gonna talk about because that's the only one that I it's the highest so that's what's important uh, I think Valerie Cagle may have been reading a little bit of her press clippings I know probably not the most popular comment that I've ever made but she struggled a little bit in some of the bigger games so she's still a beast she still deserves a statue she's still one of the top she is the top two-way players in, in the country she's fantastic she is wonderful but she struggled a little bit when the game was on the line the other night with, with Wisconsin, um, she'll be fine, I'm sure. And uh, Clemson softball just keeps rolling along. Boston University don't know much about them, but they played them this weekend. 
Uh, they play them Friday. They play St. Francis on Saturday, and they play Akron on Saturday as well, and then they play somebody on Sunday. <laughs> well, it that just says is, one versus two, three versus four versus Clemson. So whatever I, that means. I got a, I got an attaboy from JJ. There's a fist bump <laughs> for JJ. Um, Nelson, that is the Nelson Wilhite Memorial softball update. <laughs> Wait a second. He's not dead, is he? Nelson, no, <laughs> Nelson Wilhite uh, Clemson softball update sponsored by Nelson Wilhite. Um that's but you're right, though, Marty. I don't mean to cut you off here. Actually, no I did mean to cut you off here. But I, I've been, I've, I've not watched nearly as much as I should have in the early part of the season. I'm sure I'll ramp it up uh, as as we, the season goes on. But I have been focused solely on the seven first seven first four games of Tiger baseball too, because that's always been my true passion. I love the softball team. I love watching them. I love being involved in it. But Clemson baseball had my full attention this weekend. I think out of the 37 innings, I watched 33 of them. Nice. So, yeah. I watched 37. I hey, know, uh, I had to travel on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Damn it. This comment right here. <laughs> you did it, Casey. You did it. I said, <laughs> pay no attention to the third item and 30 seconds. I thought you meant there was three. I had like three groups Sections. of items. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was hilarious. Like the, three seconds later. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. That's what happens when you win nine to nothing and 18 to four in games one and two. Right. <laughs> uh, hilarious. And even after last night, it's still 50, 53 and three because it's like 52.8. Of course I round up, but um, that w- that's funny. And see what JJ saying now. Uh, Putin invaded, to keep us distracted. Oh, JJ, we need to have a couple drinks and talk about people who publish Wordle. Um, all right, Clemson baseball updates. The Tigers are 4-0, swept Indiana in a very misleading series, in, in my opinion. Uh, 32 walks, I think it was, for Indiana over three games, 16 in one game, uh, 9 to nothing. Mac Anglin looked great. And the other two starters did not. Yesterday, um, uh, Billy Barlow looked pretty good. The second out of the second best out of the four starts. Um, stellar relief pitching. Those guys look really, really good. I'm not too sure about Ryan Ammons as the closer. Hey, but uh, Monty Lee says they believe and trust in him. They haven't shown much power outside of Grice. I think in the entire Indiana series, they had six extra base hits. And we know they didn't have, I think they had one yesterday. That was Grice's home run. So seven extra base hits in four games and a 213 average with runners in scoring position. Here's my thing. I've seen this before, and their power will come when it warms up. I'm not worried necessarily about their power. I am worried about their uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. We've talked about it ad nauseum, and we're going to talk about it until they overcome it um, or until we're no longer here. Um, they look like a lot better team. And the mo- as I said over the weekend, out of all those numbers, the most important number for me from that first series was three wins. And uh, a two-to-one win yesterday, well, it was nice, clean game, right? I mean, they're not throwing the ball all over the field. They're not walking a lot of people. Um, They're playing much better baseball than they played in 2021. 100%. 
a hundred percent. But I, I, you know, it's the same old song and dance for me. I, I have that that famous phrase, or at least it's famous on this show, that no one scares me in the lineup. Now, I will amend that a little bit because through two games, even Grice didn't scare me. It didn't seem like when he came to bat, something was going to happen. It started to probably about that middle of that second game against Indiana, and then the third game he was great, and then last night he obviously hit, hit the bomb, um, and he's hitting 500. So at this point, he is getting towards that, oh, my God, something's going to happen, which is what my definition of the scary hitter is. I, another hitter that I really like in spots, too, I'm sorry, I printed off some stats here, so, um, is Cooper Ingle. I, I think we, we heard about him all last year. JP was so high on him preseason, then he got the illness. Uh, whatever that illness was, but even he's hitting 500. His at bats, he fights, he battles, he what we call p- pisses on pitches. Some like when you're down with two strikes, he's going to foul something off, which I feel like a lot of our players don't do. I, I love Dylan Brewer. You know, my whole thing is I love Dylan Brewer. He's one of my he's one of my favorite Clemson Tigers ever. He refuses to swing at a close pitch with with two strikes, and it's absolutely infuriating to to his his significant other, which is me. Uh, I have I, I do like Blackwell the way that Blackwell has has approached his at bats, and I think the the one uh, Briar Hawkins. Um, I think he's hitting two for 15 or something like that. But he went 0 for 5 Friday night with five bad strikeouts. He came back the next day and had a couple hits. Um, so I really like the way that he's starting to battle again, too. Uh, but we look around the country that first weekend, you, all you saw was bombs. The guy from NC State has four home runs in two games, and you're just like, we don't have any of that at Clemson right now. And balls are flying out of ballparks. And, you know, like you said, we hope that power comes when – when they start heating up a little bit or the weather starts heating up, but team average is 260 right now. They have four total home runs in four games, which I guess, you know, you have that one, one to one is okay. But some of these teams, South Carolina hit three home runs and a loss. It just seems like it's a lot easier for other teams where Clemson's got a battle each and every night, but four and oh, so you can't really complain about the battle and the fight. I thought the best battle was that Tuesday or that uh, Saturday game. In all honesty, they were down four, nothing. Yes. They were handed a lot, but they still battled back uh, and, you know, and, and made it a laugher. But it was not a laugher through four innings. And I was texting you angry. I was yep. not happy early. I And I agree. It, people look at 19 to four and say, oh, man, what a blowout. It was not for like seven innings. You said four. I can't remember. So I said seven. But whatever. For a good chunk of the game. It was more than four. I think it was like six innings. Yeah. Yeah. I think they scored three and the six. I think the seventh was when they scored. One of those things, they scored seven runs. But anyway, yeah, um, uh, it was it was a close game, and I was encouraged. That's one of the more encouraging games, just for the reason you said. Last year, down 4 nothing, they would have they would have been down 10-2 to two in the sixth inning or something, uh, even against somebody who wasn't a big team, team like Presbyterian or College Charleston or whoever, because uh, they didn't have the bullpen that they appear to have at least early this season. I think you're right about Cooper Angle. Love the approach. That guy finds a way to, to get on base. He's You said uh, JP, but I also um, think Monty Lee last year talked about Cooper Angle a lot, a lot. And so when he said it again this year, I'm like, okay, let's see this guy. Get, and he has been nails uh, in the first four games, um, three for four yesterday. Just really, really good, really getting on base. A little worried about Brewer at the top of the lineup because you need that guy to get on base so 
those Caden Grice two-run homers or three-run homers. Um, also, there are apparently a couple holes in the lineup. Uh, like Blake Wright had a tough first series. I don't know what that means for the year, but a tough first series. Hawkins had some, as you said, he doesn't have a good average, but he's had a lot of productive outs. Some sacrifice flying came through uh, in, on Sunday. So not too worried about Briar Hawkins. Kind of know what he is. As I said to you, I think French is the offensive catcher, theoretically. Uh, I mean, excuse me, the defensive catcher, theoretically. Ingles, the offensive catcher. What I am curious about is guys that start opening day and Monty talks so much about get five at-bats in the first series, like J.D. Brock, right? He's our best defensive center fielder. He's going to be out there, and, you know, he can play right. He can play And then he gets five at-bats, and we don't see him. And it could have been just a matchup thing, so it'll be interesting to see what happens this fall, this fall, this weekend. Uh, but, man, those guys disappear quick. And, and he does not keep the same lineup uh, very often. He's always moving and mixing and matching, which if it works, great. But you got to feel for a guy who's probably played his heart out all fall and spring and then gets five at-bats and, you know, um, he's gone. So don't Yeah, know. Billy, Billy Amick is another kid that went what 0 for that? 9, but he's at least hit the ball solid in probably six of those nine at-bats. Like It was kind of – I Got wonder what his the bip is. Yeah, because yeah. I robbed at the home run. Yeah, because yeah. he's actually put together some good at bats. He's got some of those they call them like tough luck at bats. Yeah. Um, but he probably won't see the field. He started two of the three games, two of the four games, I guess. And we'll see if we see him this weekend. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really. Leashes. I I'm a little worried about Ammons as a closer. I'll I'll say that Monty Lee, as I mentioned earlier, said he believes him. But Gilbert looks good. Um, our, our, my guy, his name escapes me right now. What's the other guy who was throwing lights out that I had the big hearts in my eyes for the other day? Jay Dill? Uh, no, that's JP's guy. Oh, uh, Alex Edmondson. Alex Edmondson. I think I wanted to kiss him on the mouth after the first game. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other day he earned just a peck because he, he walked a guy. But, um, Anyway, uh, the bullpen looks good right now, but you can't plan on them pitching 18 in the third innings every weekend. We've got to get more than an inning and two-thirds out of the second starter and three out of the third starter, even if it's four or five, right? Um, Barlow proved last night, get into the fifth, and I, kind of critical of Monty about the lineup, but I th- what I'm seeing early is I'm loving the Jeffrey Gilbert um, uh, plan for him to be a long guy because uh, other years it brings somebody in. Like I said, that four, nothing game might be six to one or eight to two. Um, and there's no use to use Gilbert, but bring him in when you need two innings, you save other pitchers instead of using two or three pitchers doing that. You've got Gilbert. Maybe he only gets one game a weekend. That's not the best. That's not a great, uh, strategy in my opinion but if if it is what it is it's worked the first four games that's great far forget i want to talk about talk john chancey's point out of curiosity which three games calculus say we would lose it doesn't work like that uh john it it takes your runs scored and your runs given up and it's a calculation that just says if you play 56 games you're going to lose three it doesn't do individual it's not an individual game thing it's on a season-long basis, so that's how. South Carolina, NC State, and Florida <laughs> State. I got it for you, John. Chancey just didn't want it to be South Carolina, South Carolina, 
South Carolina. <laughs> so anyway, good start for Clemson baseball. Three apparently winnable games this weekend coming up, but it's baseball. So who who knows? That used to be a frustrating thing on the message boards, Casey. We should never lose to the College of Charleston, dude. It's baseball. They, you know, they got a center field. Lost last playing. night. Yeah, that's been playing to the Yankees for playing for the Yankees for ten years. There, you know, it's not, it's not football. It's baseball. Any one good pitcher can beat you on any given night or if you're not playing well. Speaking of baseball, we did a Twitter Spaces last week. That was a lot of fun with J.P. Priester. Uh, we're going to plan to do another one next week if Casey's available. Uh, kind of keep it short, 20, 30 minutes, talk about where we're at for Clemson baseball. So more information on that. That was my Virgin Twitter Spaces uh, episode. Had a little rocky start there. Beef, <laughs> Beef and J.P. had to get in the room and start talking as I lost sound and Chancey lost sound too. It wasn't just me. So some weird stuff happening. Twitter spaces next Thursday, March 3rd details to follow beef. Are you chopping beef tomorrow? That's, that's the hope. Although I have a trade show and we do have a, a, an event until seven. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. If I can get back and get to my computer, then we will have a show. But um, as of now, it's kind of, we'll see. Kind of, kind of like this show. That's the way it goes. And uh, hang in there. We'll let you know when we figure it out. Over on self Zerp, John Chancey is on uh, number six um, of his college football culture. Continues. Lots of those things say family, um, which is interesting to me that I don't remember that ever happening before Dabo and Clemson started talking about family. But I'm a biased Clemson fan, so what the heck. Um, interesting article, though, uh, when you look at the different areas of the country. Uh, today was the Big 12, which is where I live here in, in Texas. So interesting to me. Thank you, John Chancey, for all your contributions. Um, I'll have baseball stats and some stories from uh, over the weekend. Uh, I put one up Monday. And as I said, the biggest number for me from the weekend was three, because that's three wins less that they need to make uh, the NCAA tournament. So hopefully that's a good sign. Uh, as I said, a reminder, Twitter Spaces with J.P. Priester next Thursday, March 3. Casey, tell the people thank you. Let's get out of here and let's watch Clemson basketball is uh, winning by one point. So we can watch the end. That's great. Thanks so much to everyone in the Selden News Reserve College Football Discussion Facebook group, especially Nelson Wilhite for all his help. John Chancey for all his work on SeldonNewsReserve.com. Uncle John McGee, as always. Everyone on Selden News Reserve, Sluggo Podcast, each and every one of you who listens, likes, shares, and participates on behalf of Marty Selden News Reserve. Coleman, I am Casey the Beef Creek, and thanks so much for watching. We'll see you when we see you on Sluggo. We'll see you when we see you. I think we're done. Later, here. Kate.